Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, June 1st, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Uh, Ashley, we are going to skip the banter today because there are far more important things going on in our country than me plugging our Patreon. So obviously, the most important story to talk about today is the fact that our nation has been gripped by the protests in cities large and small across the country, demanding justice for the unlawful killing of George Floyd by a Minnesota police officer last week, as well as for the decades and centuries of police abuse of African Americans. Unfortunately, in many cities, after hours of peaceful protests, usually as it was getting dark, agitators began destroying property and instigating violence, which was only exacerbated by overly militarized police, many of whom being caught on camera, physically attacking protesters and members of the media. Now, this is not a news nor social justice podcast, although it feels like some days we could actually do that and there would be more oh, content than, sure. uh, than theater stuff. Mm. Um, so we will try to leave that part of the story there. No no promises that we won't get back into it, but we're going to try to focus on the theatrical angles to all of this because they are fairly sizable today. First, on Sunday night, about an hour and a half before they were supposed to begin on both in, on both New York One and a Drama Desk's website, it was announced that the 65th Annual Drama Desk Awards would be postponed in light of the breaking news across the country. In a statement, the Drama Desk co-president said, quote, We regret the postponement of our award ceremony tonight, but as an organization committed to the principle that all voices must be heard, we stand together with our black colleagues against the racial injustice and violence in our nation and city. Now, actually, I think this was obviously the the right decision, as no one wants to see a bunch of mostly right, white theater right. people celebrating themselves yes, when yes. other people are protesting for their lives across the country. And from a more you know logistical standpoint, I am sure that New York One uh, can put that couple hours of airtime to much better use than yes, airing these awards exactly, anyway. exactly, yeah. Uh, this is obviously the right choice, as you said, if only a business choice, because as you said, New York One needs to air breaking news time, and I hope when they do have the ceremony, they talk about the decision and talk about the importance of it. There are a lot of people mad about it. What else is new? Uh, Don't even get... Uh, I told people uh, <laughs> I didn't want to hear it on Twitter. Yep. Yeah. If there were really people mad, we're going to have words. Yeah, read a book. Put your anger where it belongs, especially if you've been silent all weekend about protests and all week prior about the killing of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Tony McDade. And every week and every year prior for every black death. And every time we have to continue to have this conversation, like if you're mad about it, well, people were mad about the Tonys not happening and then they're silent about this. And now they're mad about the drama desk not happening because of this. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm, I'm sorry that this is the thing that you're angry over. I'm, I'm thrilled you have that privilege. And, and that's really the word there, Ashley, privilege. Because one of the interesting things that we kind of saw growing over the weekend was this demand for New York theater institutions to officially take a stand on racial injustice by confirming their belief that Black Lives Matter. There are even Google Docs now being collected to see which uh, shows and which uh, theater companies made a statement, what their statement was, and when it was made. The first person that I actually saw make a big public push for this was, no surprise, Jeremy O'Harris. He said mm -hmm. in part, quote, Dear Lincoln Center Theater, New York Theater Workshop, Vineyard Theater, The New Group, Playwrights Horizons, and Center Theater Group, all of their handles on Twitter, 
each of your institutions have produced or have me under contract to produce work about my black American experience. I know that neutrality is the coda of institutions, but your spaces rejected the veneer of neutrality the minute you, you decided to produce work by me exactly. and many of my black peers and idols. In this moment when your stages are dark, it wouldn't mean everything, but it would mean something for you to articulate to the community you serve why black lives matter to you. He went on and a couple more tweets from there. Afterwards, we started to see a combination of mealy mouth responses by some shows that eventually had to be mm. deleted. Then we saw some adequate statements from shows that still found a way to shoehorn lyrics from their show into their post, which was a little cringy. And then <laughs> a little. we saw, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little. Then we saw the best message of them all. And of course, who did it come from? But what the Constitution means to me. Of course. They tweeted, quote, on behalf of the entire Constitution family, we have donated $6,000 to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund to fight the continuing racism, inequality, and violence against black people in the United States. Please join us if you can. And then they have a link from there. Now, keep in mind, Ashley, I know you know this, but it's important mm -hmm. to remember that one, the first time you ever appeared on Broadway radio was about a year ago when you and I discussed what the Constitution means to me and why it's so important. Technically, it was but, the second, but yes, you're right. Oh, was it the second? I yeah, we, it we, had a, we had a cabaret event before. You and I talked about cabaret. Very and good. then I came Oh, home. second see? time. Gotcha. Yes. See? Gotcha. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Are you sure the cabaret thing wasn't after? Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't anyway, matter. But yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But. Keep in mind, the Broadway production of what the Constitution means to me has been closed for months. Yes. They don't and have it. I mean, they still have their. They've been closed for months and they're doing more than shows that are exactly. running for decades. They have. They're still doing like their mini tour, even though it's been, you know, sure, shut sure. down for months, obviously, but they don't have a big operating machine behind it they don't have a bunch of agencies working for it and yet they still manage to put out a strong statement but not just a strong statement actually but a statement with real action behind it and that yep. was really impressive now one of the shows that has been conspicuously quiet for most of saturday was hamilton and that mm -hmm. changed just before midnight on saturday when lin-manuel miranda posted a video on the show's official page we spoke out on the day of the Pulse shooting. We spoke out when Vice President Mike Pence came to our show 10 days after the election. That we have not yet firmly spoken the inarguable truth that Black Lives Matter and denounced systemic racism and white supremacy from our official Hamilton channels is a moral failure on our part. And as the writer of the show, I take responsibility and apologize for my part in this moral failure. I'm sorry for not pushing harder and faster for us to speak these self-evident truths under the Hamilton banner, which has come to mean so much to so many of you. Hamilton doesn't exist without the black and brown artists who created and revolutionized and changed the world through the culture, music, and language of hip hop. Literally the idea of the show, you know, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist without the brilliant black and brown artists in our cast, crew, and production team who breathe life into this story every time it's performed. And while we live in a country where black people are under attack from emboldened white supremacy, police brutality, and centuries of systemic anti-black racism. It's up to us in words and deeds to stand up for our fellow citizens. It's up to us to do the work to be better allies and have each other's backs. 
Attached to this post are a list of resources and organizations doing hard, necessary work in this fight. Thank you to all the alumni and company members and fans for holding us accountable. Thank you for everyone who stands on the side of justice. History has its eyes on all of us. Good night. Now, actually, first off, I, I, I do give Hamilton a little bit of slack because as we've talked about before, much like Jeremy O'Harris, Lin-Manuel Miranda and Hamilton often put their money where their mouth is. Sure. So I, yeah. I don't necessarily begrudge <laughs> them, although it would have been nice to see them do something sooner. It would be. I also don't want to be like two white people on a podcast criticizing two men of color exactly. about not speaking soon enough. It's not a tricky line for me as far as these organizations go and white theater professionals, especially. I think they need to be more vocal about this. I hope every theater organization continues to put out statements, one. But more importantly, I mean, we keep talking about the time off as being a period of potential change. It can't just be words because as you said there have been a lot of mm-hmm. we're here at our mostly white shows see you and support you see wicked's response which was one of those mealy mouth deleted responses you mentioned which is just oh abs- absurd absurd i'll have but, a link to it in the in the yeah. show notes from somebody who tweeted a screenshot of it before it was deleted yeah and just so many others that are clearly wanting to say something but have absolutely nothing important to say but it's you know okay so what now? What are you doing to diversify your cast, your creative teams, your crews? What are you doing beyond temporarily amplifying voices? Because it's not enough. If you're, as Jeremy O'Hara said, if you're producing work by black artists, and that's a big if because so many theater companies are not even doing that. But if you're producing work and you're collecting money off of it and the conversation for you ends here and you are not making changes with your within your organization, within your lives – then you are complicit in a racist system. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. And the, the one thing that I will say, and that I will give a little bit of sympathy to shows and their social media managers to a certain degree, because I don't believe that many shows are paying their marketing agencies right now. Um, and I would Probably guess not. that many of the people who normally run those accounts have been furloughed. Um, but so I, I will say that like, perhaps if this was happening during a normal time, there would have been a quicker response, but it really shouldn't be that hard to make this type of statement. Right. Maybe I'm not saying for sure. I'm just saying I'll give them a little benefit of the doubt. Sure. But it it shouldn't be this hard to make this type of statement. I will tell you um, me and a couple other Broadway world people, we put our heads together on Saturday afternoon and said, we really need to say something. No one's calling for us to, but we think we should. We're just going to make a real simple statement and then provide a bunch of information to with links and stuff on how to how to do things. Mm. It, it was that simple. It took us all of 10 minutes to decide what to say and to get the tweets out, the Facebook post out, and then the Instagram post out. It's not that hard. And we're a bunch of idiots at Broadway World. True. Like, you know, like, <laughs> so like these shows should be able to handle this kind of stuff. Absolutely. And I mean, if you can't handle this stuff, then you need to look at who you're hiring because you should have somebody on staff that can manage this. And by somebody on staff, I mean, you should be hiring black people and other people of color, indigenous people of color. Absolutely. One or a few other things on this topic, Ashley. On Friday, speaking of Hamilton, Hamilton alum and current Ain't Too Proud star Nick Walker and his former Hamilton colleague and Broadway stalwart Sasha Hutchings had an incredible Instagram live uh conversation 
about what was happening in Minneapolis and what was happening on Monday is far different than what was happening, you know, on, on Sunday while we're recording. A lot mm. has happened in those two days. But the video and the conversation was educating people about the history of police violence against African-Americans. Um, and they also offered ways that white people can be good allies in the fight for justice with African-Americans. I will have a link to that in the show notes. And I normally don't talk about interviews before they happen because I'm always afraid they're going to get canceled mm. and I'm going to jinx them. But uh, Nick and I have plans to chat on Thursday for what good. Uh, good. I believe will be our next Tell Me More, I assume, coming out next Saturday. So he and I are going to talk about this very topic on Thursday and hopefully be able to bring you that in less than a week's time. And also, I don't often cross-promote my other work here on Broadway Radio, especially mm. when it is centered around sports ball stuff. Fair. But, yeah, because no I gotta to know what that. audience I'm talking to. Yeah, <laughs> But there's plenty of Broadway radio listeners that uh, enjoy sports, I know, because I hear from them and I appreciate that. But so I want to mention, I wrote two columns over the weekend for LandGrantHolyLand.com, which is an Ohio State site that I uh, used to be the managing editor for and now I'm a columnist for. Um, one of them was ostensibly about the Ohio State Marching Band and the reason that it brings me to tears and why sometimes those tears are important. And then another one was about a recent graduate transfer from Harvard, who's going to start playing basketball at Ohio State this fall, who was detained at a peaceful protest on thir on Friday night. Both of those columns touch in ways large and small on the protests and on social justice um, and on the things that we've seen over the last few days and how I personally see them. So if my Twitter feed scares you off, which I could not blame you for because I have been a tweeting and retweeting machine about this stuff over the weekend. Mm. And I apologize for being, uh, um, I don't, I don't. Well, no, <laughs> I, not, I am not, not a big now, fan not of, ever. I'm, I, I'm not a huge fan of people. I can't think of the word that I normally use to describe them. the people that just tweet a lot because that's annoying. Um, but I've done that and I, I'm, I'm, that's a sorry, not sorry kind of thing. But anyway, if you yeah. want to read some things from my perspective, uh, on this, just a white dude personally that you only know through, through a podcast, um, but I'm very proud of those pieces. If you would like to read them, I will have the links in the show notes. All right, Ashley, let's get into our almost daily COVID-19 theatrical update section here. Last week in one of his daily news conferences, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced that New York City will begin its first phase of reopening on June 8th. That is a week from today, Monday. Um, that means that manufacturing, construction, wholesale, and retail operations will return to business, and that is presumed to be putting over 400,000 New Yorkers back to work. Face masks and social distancing will be required for employees. New York City remains the only region of the state not to meet the seven necessary metrics needed to reopen. The remaining two share of total beds available and contract tracers uh, to a certain degree are expected to be met this this week. So before the June 8th opening, um, obviously, this is still a ways away from them saying that theaters can open. Sure. Uh, but it is the first step in that process. And speaking of which, Ashley, off-off-Broadway uh, theaters are now banding together to seek some form of rent relief as continued payments threaten their survival. On Thursday, close to 400 attendees tuned into a virtual town hall in which elected officials urged members to make their voices heard on state rent forgiveness bills, extended eviction suspensions, and business interruption insurance uh, and coverage, additional coverage for the interruption insurance. 
Unless these measures are passed, many members of the theaters with 99 seats or less did not see a way forward due to the financial impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, a New York theater art- artist, uh, Anna Maria de Casada, um, who is the artistic director of the Wild Project in the East Village, she said, quote, without canceled rent or some sort of forgiveness this year, I'm afraid that the whole downtown theater community, our future, is at risk. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is one of those things that I've been saying from the very beginning. This yeah. is going to have yeah. a large impact far beyond what we initially thought of, and it's going to dramatically change the face of theater communities, both in New York and across the country and across the world. Um, And so I hope, although I I feel like it's hoping against hope at this point, um, but I hope that people in state and federal governments um, can figure out a way to take care of all businesses, large and small. And obviously from our perspective, especially the theaters. Sure. Absolutely. As you said, we've talked about this a lot and we've talked about it in the context of larger theaters like the West End and Broadway and what's going to happen to them. But it's really important to look at downtown off-off Broadway New York City theater, A, because of how influential it is and how important it is to the rest of the New York theater scene. But also, I mean, if these companies lose their buildings, it's not just losing where they perform at, it's losing the company. Like, that's... I, I don't think people really think about that a lot that it's there's it's completely dependent on having that space to be able to perform yeah and not only that actually but like we forget that while we certainly are worried for places like the public and signature and sure, Horizons sure. and places like that those those organizations have they're getting, much yeah. deeper connections with millionaire and even billionaire donors they have endowments and things like that exactly it's these small super small scrappy gritty theaters that really are the lifeblood of the new york theater community that's why Uh, yeah that's why if they lose their place to perform it's not like they can get right back up again exactly they need to have the money in their pocket so one per you know donate to these theaters that if you seen off off broadway work mm-hmm. or even if you haven't and you can't afford to at the moment obviously donate to them but also i mean i will yell at <laughs> new york state's governance every day of my life until some kind of and city and, and city. city oh anyone That's who a whole knows, other topic. i was gonna say please do not get me started on our city governance uh, or pol- politics of any kind right now yeah. Well, um, let's move on. We've got a couple of other bits of news. Last week, after nearly three decades providing artistic leadership at Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts, it was announced that Jane Moss will step down from her post as the artistic director, effective August 1st. Her time with Lincoln Center has included spearheading a number of new initiatives and exciting new directions, including broadening the organization's international reach, supporting the creation of innovative and diverse new works and repertoire, and expanding audience experiences through multiple multidisciplinary collaborations, immersive experiences in non-traditional venues and settings, and expanding free presentations and participatory, participatory events. And I thought this was interesting because... Lincoln Center Theater was, I believe, the first theater company, um, as, at least the ones that Jeremy O'Harris had had called out as having some connection with, mm. that did make a statement. They said one early on, and Jeremy noted that, again, this is not the most important thing. It is not everything that they can do, but it is important because what Jeremy said is that I don't think people understand how influential internationally 
Lincoln Center is. No doubt. Because of their reach and the outreach um, programs that they do and bringing things in from overseas and then reaching out to places across the country. And because of Live at Lincoln Center, like... Lincoln Center is a huge deal. So to have an artistic yep. change like this um, is a big deal. And obviously, Jane Moss has been a big part of building that organization from an already, you know, obviously huge organization. But um, being a part of that for three decades, her her presence will obviously be missed. And then finally, in this section, Bard at the Gate, a startup play series presented by the great Pulitzer Prize uh, winning playwright Paula Vogel will debut on Wednesday, June 10th, a week from this Wednesday, at 7 p.m. with a reading of Med Maroshnik's The Droll, and then parenthetically, or bracketed, it's in brackets, or a stage play about the end of the world. The Droll, which will be pre-taped, will premiere on June 10th. Viewers can watch the event on YouTube, and a direct link will be provided on paulavogelplaywright.com. A donation is suggested and will benefit Parent Artist Advocacy League, a national network for caregivers in the arts, and the Dramatist Guild Foundation. Before the the pre-taped reading begins, um, uh, Paula Vogel and Katrina Link, who obviously starred in Vogel's Indecent, will have live remarks. Um, we'll have more information about this uh, in the show notes, but I think it is safe to say, Ashley, that anything Paula Vogel does is worthy of support. Yes, indeed. And I will absolutely be there in some form to watch. All right. So, Ashley, it it felt a little weird after all of the things at the top of the show um, for us to be like, hey, some people sang these cute musical theater songs as (laughs) a recommendation. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to do the stuff that I normally would have done at the top of the show here and talk about what was in our feed over the weekend. Um, And honestly, they are kind of they're not exactly on topic with the news of the day, um, but they're a little bit more in line than if someone just would have sang like, uh, you know. Shapoopy or something um, for, Good choice. Uh, for a video. Good choice. Uh, first up, on tel- yeah, I know. Sorry. This is the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> um, but first thing, on Saturday, I released my episode of Tell Me More talking with Hallmark movie star Jen Lilly. Um, it, like I said last week, uh, it was very light on conversations about her career and spent almost the entire time talking about her activism when it comes to adoption and foster care. Um, and her contest that is currently going on as of June 1st, you can start voting in the voices that give contest, um, and, um, proceeds from that contest will go to, I mean, at a hundred percent will go to building an entire neighborhood for foster families, uh, in Oklahoma. It'll, it'll start in Oklahoma and they hope to do them in other places after this one. So check that out. I asked like five questions the entire time because she was just like, so passionate about Again, it. Again, so those very are the cool. best interviews. Yeah, so cool. I think there was literally a 17-minute period where the only things I said were like, oh, that's awesome. Mm, that's great. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> so it was very cool. I love her. Um, and then on Sunday, we had This Week on Broadway where Peter, Jenna Tessa Fox, and Michael Portantier talked with James about the passing of Larry Kramer, the Cheetah Rivera 80th birthday celebration, and... Interestingly enough, the 1936 film version of Showboat Ooh. that was released on Blu-ray. So uh, head over to the to the feed and uh, listen to those things. Of course, I put the 
conversation with Jen Lilly in our Patreon feed first. Um, so it was up there for a good 12, yeah, bit 14, of time. 14 hours. Bit of time, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 14 hours before it was in the main feed. And I will do the same probably with the Nick Walker one later this week. So anyway. I do want to mention a couple of things since we're not doing like full streaming, at least this episode. There's plenty of stuff yeah, later on in the week. Yeah, there's plenty of stuff later on in the week that we can mention. Uh, but as for Monday the 1st tonight, we already talked about the public theater and them having funds, but they are doing they are, their We Are One Public Gala to support mm-hmm. the public theater and their works, which will have... Uh, Danielle Brooks, Audrey McDonald, Laura Benanti, and more, and that will be on YouTube at 8 p.m. I also want to encourage you to donate to your local neighborhood bail fund. And also, it is now Pride Month, so remember that that Stonewall was a riot. (laughs) Uh, Begun mostly by uh, queer and trans people of color, too. Damn right. Yes, exactly. Our rights written in the blood of our black and trans elders and ancestors. Don't y'all forget. (laughs) Don't y'all put that on a shirt. All right. (laughs) So that is all that we have for today. Thank you for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This is Ashley. All right. Have a wonderful Monday, everybody. Please um, take care of yourselves. Take care of your friends, family, and people you don't know. And if you're feeling like you don't understand what's going on in the world, take some time to educate yourself. Read and listen. Listen to black people. Yes. All right. So uh, have a great Monday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. Mm